Welcome to episode 34 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I'm your host, Kofi Outlaw, and today on the couch with me is my co-host, Matthew Aguilar. What up? And we are drop. We brought back the first man to ever drop profanity on this podcast, which is probably <laughs> why you haven't seen him in a while. Uh, J.K. Schmidt is with us again. How's it going, guys? And today we have a little bit different of a show. We're going to be running through our news today uh, with the three of us here on the couch. But then we have a very special ending segment in which we are going to bring in a little special guest because we are going to be doing a uh, pretty, pretty uh, controversial review of Disney's Aladdin. So we're going to need some help for that. But before that, we got plenty of news to talk about today. We have new Star Wars images, some big new trailers that just dropped, and last but not least... Oh, wait, that's it. No, it's just... <laughs> I was like, wait, what What? What are you dropping? Yeah, no, right I looked, now? we had four... I mean, we have like a set of things to talk about, but they're all trailers and images. So, yeah. trailers and images, here we go. Starting right at the top, we are going to uh, just do a quick one. DC Comics just dropped a new promo. Oh, we should talk comics. I guess this counts as comics. Um, DC Comics dropped a new promo for their upcoming miniseries, Batman Last Night on Earth which brings back the creative team of uh, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I had heard about this book, <laughs> and it sounded interesting, but when I saw the trailer and, like, the way the trailer's laid out and the artwork and the concept for the book, I mean, this shot up to my, like, must-read list uh, right now. Basically, it's Batman waking up in his kind of own version of, like, Flashpoint. I think that's fair to say. He wakes up in a world that's, like, vastly different. It's his post-apocalyptic, like, landscape um, where he begins to kind of walk around and when he begins to find things out, this is a very different DC universe than we've ever seen uh, with the Justice League characters and some pretty big hints of some crazy stuff that's going to be happening with those different alternate versions of the characters. Yeah. Wonder Woman's bald with a mohawk looking like she just slaughters <laughs> people for fun. Um, we see some demented Green Lantern babies yeah. like trying to smash Batman. And probably there's a, looks like there's a fleet of Superman clones or agents. I don't know what they are quite yet, but they're kind of patrolling the sky. And my favorite detail is Batman kind of alone in this wasteland, walking across this wasteland with a, <laughs> with a Joker head in a jar, yeah. Futurama style, which is like his, his Wilson, to the Wilson to his Tom Hanks, I guess. <laughs> um, and all of this just looks pretty epic. It has an aesthetic that looks kind of like the Dark Knight Returns in a way. We see this thing that might be like a Batmobile that has, has like crazy amounts of phallic things poking out of it, <laughs> guns and whatnot. That looks like it came out of Frank Miller's world. But um, uh, yeah, this was pretty pretty interesting that. to me. Uh, I wanted to hear you guys' take on it because you guys are like a bigger comic experts than me. So uh, what'd you think? I mean, I'm I'm all in. He's been talking, Snyder has been talking about the story for a long, long time. And, and every yeah, time he like, would tease it. I think it's like being set up as the rap to their like Batman he's part. He's been like, I have this story. And he's just been talking about it for like three or four years now, I feel like. And, you know, when he, he would describe like pieces of it. And you're like, okay, like I'm interested to see. But once you really see it all together, and that art looks fantastic. I've always that. When Snyder is... I'm I'm curious to see. It's only three issues. It's yeah. like a prestige here. I think that's perfect. Yeah, DC for it. Black Label. Uh, because but they're, they're oversized. They're all 48. So really, it's like a six issue. It's like series. a six It'll issue. It'll be a full chunk of comics. It's just it won't be paced like I'll be, a six issue series. I'll be excited to see what uh, Snyder's creativity is. Awesome when it like when he hits. It, you know, it's very much like Morrison. It's it's he comes up with some crazy ideas, and when all those coalesce into something like one 
through line that's consistent and that you actually get invested in, it's great. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it just loses its way a little bit because all these grand ideas don't ever quite gel. Uh, this one looks fantastic. And if, if it, it makes me feel better that it's a one, you know, like one story and done, not an ongoing. Yeah, thing of exactly. Like, uh, I think this will be great. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah I think this will be like one of the wonderful. better oh alternative yeah. universe stories we've seen. If it, is, I mean, who knows? He finds a way to kind of make that stuff weave in. You know, is it a what if, or is it something that is actually in the canon? Yeah, I mean, by alternative universe, I just mean like a different, vision. yeah, a different yeah. look of like yeah, where yeah, where the universe cool. could go. Yeah. yeah, I think you know, I'm kind of hit or miss on Snyder as it is because he's always does like it's the next big Batman story yeah, since the last big Batman story. I mean, but, but he's fair to like, say. I mean, he has Court of Owls, Death of Death and the Death of the Family, mm -hmm. like stuff like that. I mean, metal and metal, even metal, stuff like, like metal. Yeah. That is kind of debated amongst yeah. kind of fans. Fun. Still has awesome elements in it. Mm -hmm. Like people can still look at stuff and go, yeah. And a lot of characters he's created, yeah, are pretty freaking awesome, and are going to stick around for for a long time. This duo mm -hmm. produces good stuff, so I'm, yeah. I'm excited. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm excited for it just because, yeah, this feels already like it could be one of those epic classic Batman stories. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like the framework for this is this very fantastical thing. And I like what Snyder does. He makes these crazy, like very out there stories to essentially do like really intense psychological kind of mapping of, and it's been really interesting, like Batman's whole court of owls with the trippy stuff and like, him going back over his life, death of the family was just like a mind screw, basically. I mean, metal um, was essentially metal. a Batman story about, you know, how, like, taking the wrong turns and how his paranoia, like, turns against him. Like, there was a yeah. bunch of... It was a very intense look at Batman for as much crazy stuff that happens in that Yeah, book. and this one sounds mm -hmm. like Batman kind of... It's almost like a It's a Wonderful Life in a weird way kind of Batman see story. that, yeah. yeah. And Batman just being like, oh, my God, like, I gotta pull it together if I ever get a chance to, like... The very Wild Wild West, like, aesthetic. Like, yeah. Very, like, that... Just that trailer gives off those vibes. So, yeah, yeah. Kind of. So, we're really curious to see more of that, and we'll be reading that, and, uh, yeah, we're all in for that. Cool. Uh, how do you think Tom King feels about it? Oh, man. I don't know what I'm allowed to say right now. All right. <laughs> I, I mean... Move on! I mean, I'm... I don't think... I know it was supposed to run at 100... I don't uh, – I think he'll get the majority of that story that he wanted to tell out. Those last 15 issues were going to be essentially I'm an saying, epilogue. What do you think Tom King's review of uh, Batman Last Night on Earth will be? <laughs> we'll see. I don't think it'll be good. I, I mean, he's still going to be working with DC. All right. Well, so I think it's – We're going to move right that, along. Yeah. We're going to keep on, on moving and talk months. about yeah. one of our first big trailers that dropped today. Star Trek Picard. Yeah, Jean-Luc Picard. Jean-Luc Picard. <laughs> Jean-Luc Picard is back, people. Yeah, Patrick Stewart uh, is back in this very kind of uh, touching little ode to uh, Captain Picard that sets up this new series. And it's filled, it's a very kind of simple pastoral scene. He's basically in his vineyards making wine. And there's this voiceover. Yeah, Picard, Picard. Vintage. Yeah, vintage Picard wine. And like there's a voiceover kind of questioning, like, why has he fallen away? Why has he stepped away from Starfleet? Did he stop believing in in like, you know, the you know, the organization or himself or the universe? Like, what is going on? And, you know, then we get a shot of Patrick Stewart as Jean-Luc Picard again, and everybody goes, ah, and you know, it was Big cool. Reveal. It was a cool little tease if I don't bring it out often, but I have a fair amount of Star Trek Next Generation uh, 
geekdom because I was raised watching that. That was my first entry point into Star Wars. Or <laughs> I just did it into Star Trek. And you had to uh, say it when it started. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Star notes. Trek it was my first foray. Star Trek, and so like this, I mean, this means something to me and all the people they're kind of bringing back for the series. Um, but it was good. It was a good introduction because the question of, you know, I would, you know, Jamie Lovett has been on and broken it down for us. The question of like when this series takes place, how it could be connected to like the the events of the movies that J.J. Abrams spun off and the in the destruction of Romulus and all this stuff um, could be very interesting. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to this series very much. So trailer was a good start for me. I mean, I hope we see something more expansive and sci-fi yeah. related, obviously. But this was just the beginning. It seems like it's going for like that character focus, you know, as yeah. opposed to um, the big bombastic sci-fi action that we've gotten from Discovery and and the movies. So it's really interesting that that was kind of the way to set the tone. I don't. I'm interested because I think we've seen that these kind of revivals, uh, bringing back these characters that like we grew up with when we were kids, and then bringing them back for kind of you know to retell their stories or not retell, but add on to those stories. And we see these jaded people who have left their old lives behind. That doesn't always go over well. So I'm really in- interested in <laughs> I seeing... I see what you did there. I understood that reference. <laughs> I'm really interested in seeing how the Star Trek fandom as a whole reacts to it because, as you know, as now... Like, you hear, anytime we write an article about Star Trek discoveries, we get like a handful of fans that are like, well, it's not the Orville. This, this sucks. This isn't the Star Trek that I grew up with. And they get mad at it. So I'm really interested in seeing like, this is obviously catering to those people who might be lapsed and saying like, Hey, look, we care about you guys. And we want to give you something that you've been asking for. Here's Picard back. But is it the Picard that you want? We'll find out. You know, well, somebody could walk up to him on his planet, hand him a phaser. He'll look at it and just throw it over his shoulder. Oh, I hope so. I hope they introduce, like, yeah. weird, cute aliens, you know. Yeah, he's just drinking, like, <laughs> some weird alien milk or he something. He goes to a casino. And but he doesn't need alien milk because he's making his own wine. Yeah. <laughs> I want to try that now. I, I hope they really come out with the, a tie-in wine. I was going to say, I really want them to work that into the marketing campaign, please. <laughs> oh, so, I mean, if they don't start, if the show's a hit and they don't start selling, like, Picard, Picard wine. I mean, that's a missed opportunity. Yeah, that's a missed opportunity. Game of Thrones has been getting that booze money for a long time. Yeah. It's time for somebody else to step in. All right, so you can check out the first trailer for Star Trek Picard on comicbook.com and uh, get your nostalgia on. Coming soon to CBS All Access. Yeah, coming to CBS All Access. Hell yeah. (laughs) All right, so we're going to move right along. Uh, Reason why we brought out JK today is because he had something he was very passionate to talk about. We got a new series of Star Trek, The Rise of Skywalker promo images. I was waiting to see (laughs) you do it What? Star Trek, The Rise of Skywalker. Oh, my God. Did I? (laughs) I was totally going to make a joke about it, and Uh, then you... (laughs) I actually did. All right. (laughs) This is all going down in flames. All right, so... We up. got a new set of Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> this is why I don't put these two properties in the same show together. <laughs> back to Star back. Wars, oh, The Rise of Skywalker amazing. promo <laughs> images. Um, Annie, uh, you know, famous photographer Annie Leibovitz has done these for every single one of these sequel trilogy installments. So we got the one for The Rise of Skywalker. Um, gave us something old, something new, possible teases. So JK being one of our star Wars experts is going to be here and uh, break it down for us, what we saw, what's exciting, 
and uh, what you should pay some uh, closer attention to. Look at that. Yeah. Well, there were some really cool images in in this photo spread, and Annie Leibovitz is just any, yeah, not too shabby of a photographer that Annie Leibovitz. No, she yeah. I think she has a career. Yeah, I think she has a career ahead of her. Uh, but she um, she took some really awesome shots, and we saw some revealing information. Uh, like the Knights of Red, we knew that they were kind of coming back, but we didn't know. Yeah, this was the enough. official confirmation mm-hmm. that they're coming back. Besides, because we saw them in like loose marketing images that nobody had laid official claim to mm-hmm. yet. So, it was but like, we're obviously very yeah. much like a licensing company, yeah, exactly. jump the gun, and you know. But uh, so it's re- you know, I'm sure a lot of fans are excited to see that that will finally be explored. Uh, we got to see a picture. And yeah, of, they gave us like the most undramatic picture of the night. right. I know. The surrounding just surrounding like, like, yeah. helmets <laughs> and getting stuff ready for. So that's feet. where the lasers are coming. That's from, not the you know? best yeah. debut, but yeah. I still was excited because yeah. I didn't care. I was like, oh, hey, like, and nice. these guys. Yeah. No, but uh, yeah, that was cool. You got to see Carrie. Russell's character, which is like a really cool Stop. sci-fi design. My crush of Felicity goes back to the nineties. Um, that that's good old JJ and Scott awesome. Speedman. Yeah. That and design, yeah, is killer. That helmet is oh just yeah. oh, the Very, helmet, so much Star Wars. Aside know. from the Rocketeer jokes, though, it also looks like a type of ship. It looks like Boba Fett's ship. It does on yeah. somebody's like head, like Slaver yeah. One. It yeah. looks very like that sleek. <laughs> Yeah, that tail in the back of it. Yeah, it looks really cool. Yeah, and then, it's gonna be cool. Carrie Russell was so. I mean, she was so badass on the Americans. I'm so excited to see her do like yeah. more action oriented stuff. She's worked with JJ a lot. She was in Mission Impossible yeah. Three, and she was yeah, badass cool in that. Scene. Um, underutilized, you know. As well, she, that is the worst Mission Impossible. Well, I mean, that's how you get people is emotionally invested. Is you take Carrie Two Russell and you bad. two's bad. You take Carrie Russell and you have her brains blow up. That like, I mean, that screwed a lot of us up. We were <laughs> that, like, oh, that was, God. Yeah. Two's bad, but three is forgettable. I feel like. That's Forgettable is worse than bad. Yeah, right? I, Two's I like a say, okay. We, we've ventured into right. Mission Impossible. <laughs> Five. Two is like kind of Next a weak minute. action movie, and three is a really good episode of TV. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah. And Philip Seymour Hoffman kind of makes it. But I digress. There's more really good photos, like the whole uh, duel between Ray and oh, Kylo man, Ren. That's, that's just moody and awesome. It's you know it it, it evokes the same image that you saw their first duel in. in uh, on Starkiller Base. And then what is probably the most intriguing image is Luke Skywalker standing there with R2-D2. And, of course, you would immediately kind of think that it's back to that flashback scene that we saw in The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. But I'm not so sure. That's the easy way to reveal that image. Say, look, look we brought Luke back and we're going to you know, do a flashback to the past and show what happened. But maybe the rise of Skywalker is a little literal and we're kind of overlooking that you know? yeah there's been this theory i wrote i wrote up on this i mean it is just to be fair like a promo image mm-hmm. so it's supposed to be just kind of capturing the spirit of the character it's not necessarily like a literal still from the movie so there's a lot of leeway there um but you know there is i mean it is expected we know mark hamill's coming back for this mm-hmm. movie so it just depends on how he kind of appears is he just going to appear all cool and like fool somebody else because he's like I'm a force ghost now i just haunt people like <laughs> And make them have duels that are not real. Like, <laughs> like Skywalker becomes Casper. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I can see I that. It. Or he could, I mean, it could be a trick. There are a lot of people. The robot hand theory yeah, is, I know. I've is, seen that goes, pop up is so lot. strong online that when he disappeared. There was no robot hand. His hand didn't mm-hmm. drop off, presumably. And, like, why would a force ghost take a robot hand with them? Like, he might have been transported. or Who knows? So, I mean, it's possible. There's a lot of theories floating around. I mean, we've seen images in the first trailer where that, that show, like, uh, Ray hugging Carrie Fisher, who may or may not be alive. At, Leia may or may not be alive at that point in the story. But they go back to Finn's home or uh, Poe's home planet because that ties into stuff that's been established in the canon. 
from, you know, him having a force tree and all that. Like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff on the table for this. Um, yeah, I was interested in the dual uh, image because of not so much because I don't think that duel will be particularly as important as where it takes place, which looks like it's on the ruins of the Death Star, mm-hmm. um, which leads into the back into the theory that the fight starts one way before we get the one last reveal that kind of all of this is coming from Palpatine, who will be revealed. And there's theories that Matt Smith is going to be involved and get possessed by the Palpatine ghost. And then Ray and uh, Kylo will have to fight him, fight him. And like, and then, yeah, it gets nuts. And then Kylo gets possessed. And <laughs> that could be, I mean, that also could be what we're seeing in that duel scene is like Kylo gets possessed, but ultimately he takes the fall. And like, I just Ray, feel like yeah, I just nuts. listen to like Kofi's fan fiction of Star Wars. No, <laughs> these are, actually, these are actual theories. I know, but we're like, in that awesome sweet space right now where we don't know enough about the movie, but we're getting enough visuals yeah. where we can just go insane. And on then what we'll go see it happen. like we saw Endgame and go, oh, wait, none of ours were right. Oh, no, that this started with Last Jedi. Nobody's <laughs> theories are right, and like, Pappleteen's just a mural on a wall or something like that. Like, there will like, be one. There's always lines. one that was like right on the money, but like, it's always some really small, insignificant thing. It's some. It's always someone who tweeted something five years ago. Yeah. Like, <laughs> As a joke. If it's I, typically a if joke. If this happens, I win a million dollars. And it does, and they just get but retweets. They never win. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I mean, but it, it looks great. And more and more, um, it's looking like J.J. Abrams is really going to cap this thing in, in really well or in like fitting fashion. I think it'll be less controversial <laughs> than the He's last He's put my Jedi. mind at ease a little bit because coming from someone who really enjoyed The Last Jedi for the chances it took and, and the changing of things that it did from Force Awakens. When J.J. was brought in, it was very much like savior syndrome. Like, oh, he's going to fix everything, and it's going to be like Force Awakens. I didn't want that because I was like, you just made all this progress. Why are you going to regress? Go back. And seeing him in interviews and and listening to him describe his approach to this movie that's changed has made me – like, I've become more faithful in that. Like, I've become more – uh, anticipatory of his Maybe there will be true true balance brought to the sequel trilogy. Maybe. Yeah. I, See what he did there? He did you had your light there. side, He's Force Awakens, your yeah. dark side, Last Jedi, and this will bring the balance. The gray Jedi. The gray he's coming say, back, baby. He's just saying things <laughs> a lot like he's not, you know, he's not uh, paying so much attention to just, like, Putting making the feel and the history of stuff. Like, he's he's open to, like, Ryan Johnson's movie and how divisive it was kind of opened him up for this one to just be like, I'm going to sit and do stuff because I think it's I think it's the way to go. And I, I like that. Sometimes he's going to bury like, the past. He's not going to kill it though, because th- he doesn't must. I think like, I, I get the kind of the opposite vibe. I think most of that stuff is just like lip service to say like, oh, I really respect that, but we need to bring Luke back, and we need to. So you think when all is said and done, it'll very much be like a Force Awakens? Type? Uh, I think it'll be a very safe conclusion. It'll be Force Awakens. This is the end through of the prism movies. of the Last Jedi because you can't throw that out. Like, you can't. No, yeah. I mean you can easily do things to kind of backtrack it. You know, you yeah. can put Rose in the background. You can not mention the fact that the Resistance is only a handful of people. You know, you, you can, do, can do something to bring back Luke. You can like yeah. There's like, there's, there's any number. I'm. Ex- I mean, it's Star Wars. Yeah. I'm gonna love it. I know I am because I'm a shill. But. I just am a little worried because The Last Jedi w- I had a huge impact on me, and it's become like one of my favorite Star Wars movies in general. So I just, 
just don't want him to change it. Just well, I don't either. I mm-hmm. want. I would. No, I mean the yeah. whole point was to move forwards. Yes, mm-hmm. and they and they're already starting that the franchise is going to move forwards. This is supposed to end the Skywalker saga. So yeah, a little nostalgia, but like yeah, you got to move things forward. Otherwise, what yeah. are we doing here? I'll be disappointed yeah. if it's too safe. And, and and that could very well happen. All right, but, but we're going to move along because we're going to be talking about this, I mean, yeah, every time we get something new. So we're going to move on to our uh, big final trailer of the day that we're going to be talking about. We had the trailer for Terminator Dark Fate drop. Um, we've been slowly tracking this movie because it's it's been getting interesting as we've heard more. Uh James Cameron's coming back to produce. Deadpool director Tim Miller is doing this. Linda Hamilton's coming back as Sarah Connor. We had uh, Ghost Rider actor uh, Diego Gabriel, Diego Gabriel Gabriel Luna, not Gabriel. Diego Luna, Gabriel Luna um, playing the new Terminator, and uh, Mackenzie Davis playing a character we didn't know anything really for sure about. But now this trailer has kind of put some of those pieces in place, and so here's what we got. Basically, there's a new savior character. She's a young Hispanic girl um, who has <laughs> Mackenzie Davis's. <laughs> yeah kind of future soldier appear to protect her in the protector in the Kyle Reese role, except this time, apparently in the future, they are changing things up because now they have enhanced humans is essentially what it is. Cybernetically enhanced humans. Um, Gabriel Luna is a new type of, no, I did it right. Gabriel Luna, like I'm really freaking out right now. (laughs) Gabriel Luna is a new type of Terminator. They've kind of, I call it the T-1800 as just like a joke because it's like a mix of the T-1000 from T-2 and the T-800. He has a machine exoskeleton, but like a liquid metal exterior, and he can form into two versions yeah, of himself. Yeah, now he's multiple, man. Yeah, that's crazy, right? Like, yeah. He absorbs metal and then, like, makes yeah, part of those. exactly. Like, and so, like, the, the liquid metal yeah. part can be its own Terminator, and then the exoskeleton can be its own Terminator, and, like, yeah, that's pretty crazy. So... Yeah, he's all upgraded, and uh, Sarah Connor is coming back and, and helping to protect this young girl and helping Mackenzie Davis's character protect, like, protect this girl. And uh, we're off, and, and it's basically just a chase scene. And there's a lot of imagery that kind of invokes a lot about, you know, a lot of sociopolitical stuff about, like, refugees and, you know, fleeing and trying to get somewhere and that whole immigration thing. Um, that immigration that thing. Whole like thing. So, wow. yeah, that whole thing. Yeah, that whole thing. That sound is so condescending. I'm so sorry. I'm not trying to be condescending. Um, I'm just trying to move through the yeah. uh, beat here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and so all of that, and all of that was interesting. I didn't think, personally, this was the best cut trailer. Mm. I didn't think the music was that good for the imagery. Um, and I didn't think the concept of how it was cut together was as good because it was like, hey, you know, here's some sci-fi stuff. We're in a Terminator movie. I would have almost preferred they kind of started slow and just shown you something that looked like a, almost like a dramatic movie about a young girl's journey as a refugee, and then all of a sudden, like, it just kicks into full, crazy horror Terminator thriller mode. I could see yeah. that. Yeah, and like- I, I think I would have liked that better, but I think it's intriguing enough and not as crazy or stupid as Genesis Well, that's like that. I think that's why they went with this trailer, because, I mean, from Terminator 3 to Genesis Salvation... We've kind of seen glimpses of the post, you know, the post-apocalyptic future. And when you see T2, you know, when we were kids, I think that's what we wanted to see next. But we thought that's what we wanted. And then we got it. We're like, this is not the Terminator movies that we, you know, that we really like. And so this was kind of like a, 
hey, remember Terminator 2? It's basically the same thing, but in the desert instead in, of Los And the trailers Angeles, you know? for those movies in between were very much in your face, like, like adrenaline, just like, here's a bunch of action stuff, mm -hmm. there's stuff blowing up, and this one is very different. I will say, I don't... And it probably speaks to that the music didn't make much of an impression on me. Like I don't, I can't even recall yeah, <laughs> what the music was. Yeah, uh, but the action, the actual footage, some song like was I'm going so, hunting, like it was yeah, just like the yeah. footage itself though, like got me so on board. Like I was, I was in. I was like, okay, I don't even. Would like, it have been pandering if they put in that? Da -da 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 -da. I would probably remember it. I know. I mean, I yeah. mean, I feel like you know. At first, you'd be like, "Oh," but yeah. then you know, once you, mean, you think you about play. it, that melody has so many parts to it. You could take another part of it and kind of just thread mm -hmm. it through before you kind of build to the official. Da -da 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 -da. Like I agree, it could have yeah. been a better trailer. Yeah. But yeah. as for the footage doing what I feel like it's supposed to do, as far as like getting you excited for a movie, yeah. that aspect intriguing. got me. Like the I was very intriguing. And that one of those things I wanted to ask you guys is, where was John Connor? Yeah, that's a big that's a that's, big question. Like, I mean, this is the big questions hanging over this after this first trailer. You see them go and meet Arnold Schwarzenegger. Who is this Arnold Schwarzenegger? Is yeah. he like an old Terminator who got retired after the whole John Connor thing, or is he just a human guy? Like the basis of what yeah, the, the basis Terminator of the Terminators yeah. and like all of that. Like, yeah, what happened? Why is Sarah Connor still doing her thing? But where is John Connor? Like how what's what's up with this new girl who's like the savior? Um, some yeah. great little plot. There's some great little. What's changed in the future to make these new kinds of Terminators and these enhanced soldiers? Like what's going on? So if this does things right, yeah, this is another kind of small chase Terminator movie that will set up something bigger and hopefully a better future war story than we've had because. It seems like they're building up to that, but they're not going to deal with any of that in this movie. We'll just begin to get the new mythology. But that's, I feel like that because coming <laughs> from when we first talked about this on the show, I was very much like, I, I, I'm familiar with the Terminator movies. I am not by any means the hardest core Terminator person. Like I don't have all that knowledge in my brain at a moment's notice as far as like what happened when this year and that year. And I came across kind of like when that footage first came up was like, eh, like it could be good. I don't, I'm not like hugely interested. And then the footage description came out. I was like, oh, that sounds great. And now this has come out. For those fans like me, kind of that mainstream audience that doesn't have the love, the genuine just like, oh my God, we'll go see whatever is of this. I think this approach of let's, let's make it, we're going to plant threads and things like that, but we need to make it palatable to a an audience that is going to come out in droves, right? Yeah. I think that works in its benefit. It'll get those people like me into the theater. Yeah, the other interesting thing was there was no mention of Skynet. No. That's one of those, like, deep-cut lore things, though, that they don't have to do that in the first trailer. You know, no. the second trailer, for fans that are still on the fence, they got to, like, look at the camera. Yeah, but like, I, mean, I meant in the exists. sense that, like, there's no, there's no voiceover about, like, this is Judgment Day, and then, like, this happens and that. Like, all of that's gone. So, yeah. theoretically, like... So far, as far as we know, none of that's in play mm -hmm. necessarily. But that's the thing with with like all these Terminator kind of reboots, like how they soft reboot and be like everything but T two doesn't exist, and they've done that how many times? This is like the fourth time that they've done that, you know. Uh, so I think it's interesting because us as fans, we're waiting to see 
what will actually be acknowledged, what of the prior movies will kind of play into it, if any at all. I like, love Cameron came out like on that featurette and was just like, the first thing he says is, this is the true sequel to T2. <laughs> He's just like, done. Like this is none of the other stuff happened. Like we're done. And that was the first thing he said on the featurette, just to set the record straight. This is the first sequel since T2 that he's been involved with yes. too, right? He had nothing to do no. with 3 or Genesis nope, or nope. Salvation. Nope. Yeah. Nope, so nope. it'll be interesting this to is, see what he does. This is his true yeah. return. No. All right. So that's Terminator Dark Fate. You can check out that trailer on comicbook.com. Stay tuned because uh, when we come back, we're going to do a little personnel switch and we're bringing in somebody special to help us review Disney's yeah. Aladdin. Okay, we are back, and as you can see, we have made one quick switch. We've subbed out J.K. Schmidt and brought in our own Charlie Ridgely, a.k.a. the most triggered man in our office, as you're known on this show. That's not true. Well, is that I mean, his nickname? That's yeah, not, I mean, this is how we refer, really to, I refer to This is how I refer to Charlie every single time we mention him on the show. No, you give me a cool nickname when I first came on. I don't remember what it turn, was. Uh, turn Up Charlie? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's good. That that, go with that. I know, but when we mention you on the show most often is in reference to something you've been I guess I need to about, listen to like, the show more often so I can tell when you guys wow. are. Wow. 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 Well, you can't get the guests out once you have them here. So I now that we have you here. So now that we have you here. We have you here for a reason. You were our person to review Disney's Aladdin, yeah. which has been a somewhat controversial subject in this office, yeah. uh, specifically related to... Oh, it's yes. been the most controversial thing in our office, particularly between you and I. <laughs> yeah, which is why I brought you here, because Matt is... If you, if you haven't learned from this show by now, Matt Aguilar is an avid Disney fan. Like He gets that childlike wonder... In his eyes about anything Disney related. I love it when he describes Pretty much, pretty much <laughs> all the time. And so he's been really, I mean, you've been really positive about these live action remakes and you're excited generally for, for most of them. Yes. Um, I think Dumbo's been like the one exception that you're not as excited Yeah, and for. that's just because I didn't care about Dumbo. <coughs> and fair enough, yeah. not a lot of people did. <coughs> so <laughs> you've been positive about this Aladdin, about this Aladdin remake, even though there's been a lot of skepticism about it. And... You know, the backstory to all this is, in our office, the biggest naysayer about Aladdin has been Mr. It's Charlie, Charlie Ridgely. Ridgely. But yeah. only, <laughs> I want to clear that up, only recently, because the first the trailer came out, and I thought the trailer looked really good. I loved the casting of Will Smith. I, I dug the trailer. I was into it. That's true. But then they started releasing all those clips and And TV you spots. nosedived. And you sent was, me a message. It looked so bad. That said, it Aladdin so is bad. ruined. Yeah, you I, sent me a yeah, message. It looked so bad. <laughs> So bad. There have been several people who have described in this office the psychological impact of Charlie's negativity towards Aladdin. I say several people, like it's more than two. That's all you need. Like, all you need is several. And there might be one more in there that we're just not getting to. But here's the thing. Okay, so this was your attitude to Aladdin going in. You saw it. You reviewed it for us. And your review was? So Matt told me I had to, if I went in and my mind was changed... I couldn't double down and just pretend like I hated it to keep face. I had to like admit to what I really felt about. And so I watched Aladdin on Tuesday night and it really wasn't that bad. <laughs> so okay. It, it was it was so it was all right. Your, it was take pretty us good. Take through your full review. So uh, the movie 
is is pretty fun. Will Smith is really funny. Uh, Aladdin is way better than he looks in the in the TV spots and in the clips. He he actually he's really really charming. He has a great chemistry with both Genie and Jasmine. But Jasmine's really like the star of this movie in in terms of what I think is the best part. I mean, it's it's about Aladdin, but she has such a significant role that she didn't in the original. Um, and the way they wrote her role was really really good. And Naomi Scott was the best performer in the movie. Uh, she's a new song in the movie called Speechless. It's the only yeah, new song so in the good. movie. It is so fantastic. Everything with her is is awesome and she just she brings it. Um, but all the characters are great. Um, Iago is different but cool. Uh, the Sultan's not a cartoon which is fun. He's like he's not a caricature. Um, you know, Will Smith is the most Will Smith he's been in a while and I really appreciate that because I love Will Smith. How is um, Nassim as the She's really, really goofy. Okay. And really, really wacky, but in a way that makes a lot of sense. Okay. And there's a big, actually, she has a bigger role than you think, and her character is more important than you think. Um, which, but I don't, it, it's, it's a big okay. spoiler to so, the movie. But you felt like yeah. at the end, like, okay, that was worthwhile. Yeah. Oh, and 100%. She, she really, she added a new real B story to the movie that wasn't in the original one okay. that served a big arc throughout this, this film. Um, and it, it kind of tied into, to Jeannie's story a little bit. There were some changes made to Jeannie, particularly at the end. Um, that weren't in the original one. I don't want to say anything about what they are um, because people are going to go see it this weekend. But um, the, the one real negative thing about this movie and it it sadly stretched, like it's the biggest thing about the movie. That was the director, you know, Guy Ritchie uh, has a certain style and I like Guy Ritchie movies. Mm -hmm. Guy Ritchie wasn't the guy for, for this movie. He was not the director for this movie. Um, Not the best choice. And he had a, a real problem making creative decisions um, a lot of like the the shots throughout the movie, a lot of the the staging, a lot of everything was just really bland, and there were not a lot of risks taken in the actual like direction of this. There was risks in the casting, yeah. there were risks in in some of the the music and in some of the story changes, but there were no risks taken in the actual movie itself, which is really disappointing because Guy Ritchie is a risky director, and Aladdin is about taking risk and taking chances, and we didn't see that at all, and so it. There were times when it really could have elevated to something great, and it was just okay because of kind of how it was presented. It was more of a, it was a little bit less than the sum of its parts. All of yeah. the individual pieces were really, were really fun and really good, um, but it didn't come together quite like it could have. So, because, and this is one of the things, right? So I haven't seen, I've seen tonight, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very much anticipating this movie. But Guy Ritchie was actually one of the things that uh, initially turned me off yeah. to this movie because... I like Guy Ritchie in his element. And I was this like, is nothing not, about Aladdin yeah. to me screams Guy Ritchie, right? There are other Disney movies that yeah. absolutely would lend themselves more. But over the course of seeing, um, I know it's not as risky. I also don't necessarily see like Aladdin as a risky movie, but like, I know it's not as risky, but I will say, I will give him credit from what I've seen so far. Those clips and those trailers are absolutely stunning. And that's like a rich Richie's movies are gorgeous visually. Right. right. Like those shots, there might not be as much movement or fluidity, but like there's a there's a scene that perfectly describes it. So when they are sailing uh on the carpet after the, you know, do you trust me line, right? right? And they're and they go off. There's a moment where Rajas goes up to the to the port, like the edge of the thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they sail, and it's like almost completely quiet. But all you hear is like 
the goings on in the city below. And right. you hear like you'll hear a voice here or there, and you'll hear and you hear the wind. And there is such a magical part to that that is actually it's subtle and it's nice. It's something that I actually didn't expect yeah. from this. I'm okay with that. Without, it's like, I don't need all, because there's so many numbers in this movie that are bombastic just in the nature of themselves. I don't necessarily need it to scream at me. I like subtlety. Well, and, 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 and I, I agree with that. And there are moments like that. And yeah. even in the subtlety, there are creative, when I say risks, like there are creative ways to do things. And there are a couple shots like that one that are very, very, very good. Yeah. But it's a lot of time, you know, when there's a conversation between Aladdin and Jasmine that's really intimate, it just, it's a simple, like, there's a simple framed headshot on Aladdin and a simple framed headshot on Jasmine going back and forth. There's nothing happening to, to put you in there with them. There's nothing happening to make you feel closer to them or what's happening. It, it, it's truly just like, here's two cameras set up. You guys have a conversation and we'll just, we'll use that. So, and and it's, it's really, it's bland in that way. So it sounds like on a film school level, not necessarily as tight. Do you think mainstream audiences, family audiences, people like that will notice all this? Or do you think I it's think- enough... I think it's covering it's, it. That's kind of a two part question. It is everyone will have fun with this movie. I think um, I'm just that, saying people that won't who be don't hidden. who aren't who aren't so versed in blocking, right. staging, right. things like um, that. I think that a lot of people will look at that and see times when they're like, okay, well, like this this was really fun. I enjoyed it. You feel like there's something, a little something missing. You know, I, I think that's the feeling people will leave with. There's, like, there's a little bit of something that I wish it had. Anybody will put your finger on it, and to me. It, it, it feels like a very – it's a lot of directorial choices that were left out. Um, I don't think this, the specific staging things or blocking things might be something that everybody notices, but I think there will be a sense of like it – was, it, it, it was good and I enjoyed it, but like I feel like there were moments it could have been a lot more and could have been a lot better. Um, but, I mean, it, it was still it was still a fun, fun movie. And some people hate on like the Will Smith stuff because it's kind of cheesy at times. Well, I feel but, like, like this, it's, it's fun. I feel it's like Will this Smith. movie has become, though, the current punching bag du jour just for the sake of that it exists. And I, I don't love that because it's just like, you know, a bunch of people who haven't seen it right. or it's just like, well, you know, Will Smith is not this or whatever. Uh, like, I listened to the soundtrack and I know the soundtrack is also getting just beat up within this office. And I was like, it's fine. I, I can enjoy it. I really enjoyed yeah, the, Arabian the, Nights with the, Will Smith Arabian, going Arabian on. Nights was very, very I good. don't even hate A Friend Like Me. That's probably my least favorite. I, I don't, I, don't hate I like it. it in the movie. I don't, like, and I love, my, my problem with Friend Like Me is still the end, the end credits version that has DJ Khaled in it. Because it's like, you just end the movie and the credits start playing and you hear Will Smith coming in with like his classic 90s yeah. Will Smith movie credits rap. And you're like, oh, I'm so excited. It's going to be so corny and fun. And then you hear like, DJ Khaled. And it's like, But oh, that's all he does. Like and, he doesn't and, even it, kill it the throws, track. It throws it off I'm not so a heavily. Fan, it throws yeah. it off so much when you hear but it. But the, the, the soundtrack is is very good. What I, I think I will is give weird and kind of understated about this movie is this movie reminds me a lot of ways as the Annie remake, in which like it's a remake, yes, but it's also a remake that's skewing towards a different audience. Like this is Aladdin for kind of a modern, like urban audience of people of color like you know black and brown people that's why they actually went and cast which was awesome by the like, way like yeah. yeah all those actors as opposed to just you know doing a like a whitewashed crazy version of it i mean the whitest thing about it is guy Ritchie. <laughs> yeah for real and they were like well you're kind of urban right <laughs> like you do urban stuff and i think that was that was the mistake yeah that's, like you know i mean they're 
I think they should have just gone out and taken a chance on like a famous Bollywood director or something like yeah. that. Well, and I say yeah. if you want kind of the final part of this movie is very much a like a quote company man, um, you know, fill in the like a a Joe Johnston or John Favreau type where you're like, hey, can you you know we have a vision of what you want, like what we want. Can you make that vision come true, but very very good and. You know, I think we kind of undersell the value of directors who can do that, who can step into a franchise or into a, a you know, a company and and make something that, that they're like without their own vision. You know, like mm-hmm. they they have a, you know, the Joe Johnston is always my best example. You know, he made Captain America, and um, he's very very good at that. Um, and I think that if you had someone like that, this movie would have been even a little better, even though they're not like a giant name because they they just they find all the fun in what's already there. Cause you also could have gone the completely, you know, wild visionary direction. You could have gone and gotten an Ava DuVernay. You could have gotten a Boz Lerman to do this, you know, something wild and crazy, you know, like they already visionary, used Condon, visionary yeah. directors, yeah. you know, but like they could have gotten a Tom Hooper or, you know, um, uh, Rob Marshall who did uh, Mary Poppins. Yeah. Just a, someone who knows what, who knows how to handle things. And Guy Ritchie was very out of his element. And I think, he did better than I expected him to. This came um, together way, like, as far as in, even in trailers and clips, has come together yeah, way yeah, more no, than that. I ever expected. Yeah, it, that it, it, he did a much better job at, at filling that role than I thought he would going in, but he did leave some to be. To All be right. Done. So we didn't, Matt and Charlie are both still alive on the couch. So just to conclude this whole thing, Charlie, how would you rank this among the Disney live action movies? I mean, honestly, it's, it's, it's up towards the top, if not at the top of my list, only because I I haven't loved a lot of the Disney live action movies. And, and I'm, I love Disney. I've grown up Disney. I mean, I, I write a lot of Disney stuff for us here at the site. Um, and I think Jungle Book was a better technical movie. It was more of an achievement, especially with the visual effects that they that they pulled off for that movie. Um, you know, John Favreau did a better job of making that come together. And, you know, Jungle Book and Aladdin are two of my favorite Disney films growing up and um, I had high hopes for both of them. And so while I think that Jungle Book is a better movie, I enjoyed Aladdin more and I will revisit Aladdin more than I will revisit the Jungle Book. I mean, it's not quite as good as the animated film, but I don't think we expect that. And also uh, the one thing that really caught me off guard with this movie is that they, especially with the the story with Jasmine, Mm -hmm. they validated the reason for this movie's existence. Like they updated it in a way that but you're like, I, I understand why they needed it. I don't love that idea. Like, because I like when Kofi says like, you can walk and chew gum, like these movies, because this comes up a lot. Like, well, you're trying mm-hmm. to replace, no one's trying to replace these. I love beauty and the beast as right. an animated movie. And I love beauty and the beast as a live action movie. They're companion pieces. These things are never meant to replace your childhood. Right. Like, and then that's, and like, uh, there was, there was a notion though, because I, I watched the animated one right before I went and saw yeah. the other one. And there were things that could change. And this did a good job of, I of love the modernization and, and you're right. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So there you have it. Aladdin, not as bad as Dumbo, debatable Definitely about beauty and the beast or, uh, or, um, Jungle Book. I think Lion King's any better than all of them, though. That's okay. Well, I, there you go. I, there you have it. So, Matt feels validated. Everybody feels good. That's going to do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. If you guys want to check out more of the show, we post new episodes every Wednesday, every Friday on the site. We also have an RSS feed you can subscribe to, or you can subscribe at your favorite listening place. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Playlist, 
Google uh, Podcast, and you can tell any Alexa-powered device to play Comic Book Nation Podcast, and it will fire up for you. If you like the show, please go on to one of these sites and leave us a positive review. We read reviews uh, semi-regularly, and if we read one of your five-star reviews, we will send you some comic book swag. If you want to continue any discussion, go on social media and find us at the hashtag ComicBookNation. Also, you can find us individually. You can find me at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at Matt Aguilar CB. And at Charlie Ridgely. All right, and uh, that'll do it for us. Also, be sure to check out our bonus episodes if you haven't been listening over the course of the last week. Some of our fans have been pleasantly surprised by how many episodes we've turned out. There's a Robert Pattinson Batman episode and a Game of Thrones rap episode. These are both bonuses, kind of shorter focused discussion, so be sure to check those out as well. All right, that'll do it for us. This is Comic Book Nation, and we are signing off. Deuces. Deuces.